covers over our sins. Amen? Well, I just want to say thank you guys for being here and uh, venturing out in this frigid cold weather to, uh, to worship with us this morning. I uh, just really think that's awesome, and uh, so we just want to commend you and say thank you. And before we dive in this morning, I want us to uh, just spend a few, a few moments here in prayer. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, it's a new year. I know that there's a lot of things going on. I know that uh, there, there's a lot of folks that are battling with sickness and just injuries and different things uh, like that. I know there's folks that are in the hospital and just families that are in need right now. I know there was a, a house fire just near near. Uh, down the street from our, our house uh, this morning, and so uh, I know that there, there are people that are just, just going through difficult times right now, and I also just want to pray for, for our, our men and women who are serving uh, just in difficult situations and circumstances, and so would you guys join me this morning as we spend just a few moments in doing that? Father God, we just, uh, we just come before you, and we thank you already, man, just for uh, just a glorious morning that we've had. Uh, to be able to share together and, and to sing songs and lift our voices up to you. Uh, Father, we just sing songs that just point to uh, how, how awesome you are, God, how um, just your grace and mercy in our lives and how you pursue after us and love us. And uh, Father, we just thank you and we, we praise you. And uh, God, we just recognize that we, we fall short, that we're sinners, and that oftentimes we can get distracted and lose sight, and um, uh, Father, just forget, we can forget what that means, what the gospel means in our life, and, and the freedom that we have, and sometimes we can uh, just fall right back into uh, to patterns uh, of our old life, and, and so Father, we just pray that you would just forgive us, and uh, we, we thank you for your patience with us, and the, and the way that you care for us. And Father, I just, I, just uh, I know that there are a lot of people uh, who are just going through difficult circumstances right now in life. I know that we've got folks that are, have lost loved ones. I know we've got folks that, uh, that are, have loved ones that are in the hospital right now that are sick. Um, I know that we've got a lot of folks that are uh, just experiencing some uh, pain and aches in their body. And um, Father, just all, all of these things that, that we're experiencing, God, are just reminders that we live in. A world that's uh, that's broken, and uh, it just shows uh, our need for for you. And Father, I just want to lift these individuals up to you, God. I pray for uh, for them. I pray for their families. Uh, Father, I pray for uh, uh, our men and women who serve in our military and uh, just the sacrifices that they make. We just pray, God, for their safety and just ask that you be with them and their families. Um, Father, I know that it is it's a, a a time of year where a lot of people experience depression, and uh, it's just uh, with winter and, and the cold temperatures and being stuck inside sometimes, God, that doesn't help, and we just pray for them. We just pray, God, that you would just encourage them, that they would feel your presence, God, that we would uh, just love on them and encourage them. Um, again, we thank you for uh, just the opportunity uh, to, to be here this morning. We pray now as we just study your word, as your spirit will continue to move and open our minds and our hearts to you as we, uh, as we study. And it's, uh, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the very first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. Can everybody hear me all right? You guys good? All right? All right, very good. Very good. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. 
We're going to be looking at verses 18 through 20 here in just a minute. And as you are turning to the book of Matthew, it's the very first book of the New Testament. You guys switched it up on me over here. I guess we, our, our, we made our aisle a little shorter here, so you guys switch over. I like it, though. I like it. I love it. It's great. It's great. It's good, good, good to see you guys. Um, so Matthew, Matthew 28, uh, the last, uh, so last chapter in the book of Matthew, we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 20 specifically. And uh, while you're turning there, I want to ask you a question. And, and I'm just going to say, man, you can answer this question out loud. I know we always go through this when I ask questions out loud and I, and I ask for a response. We, sometimes if you throw out a response that's not right, we go through this awkward moment. Um, but, but I promise it won't be awkward if you get the answer wrong. I'll just act like I didn't hear you, okay? Um, <laughs> I, so if I, if I were to ask you, what is the God-given purpose of the local church what would you say? What, say it again. Serve, good answer. Make disciples. That's really the answer. That's the answer I'm looking for. That's ding, 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 winner, winner, chicken dinner right here, okay? Uh, that, that's, that's the answer. Serve is the right answer, though, too. I mean, we, we do serve. Um, you, you may or may not be aware of this. I, I'm probably more aware of it than you are just because I study things like this. But the reality is that the church in North America, uh, the attendance is declining. Attendance is declining. Now, you may or may not know that. With that said, however, there are still people who are coming to church. There are still buildings that are being built. There are churches that are still very busy with ministry-related activities and programs running at full speed. But attendance, busyness, and programs... And building construction are not necessarily indicators of success. All right, the real question for effectiveness, the question that really ultimately matters above everything else, is whether the people are accepting Jesus Christ and responding to the good news of the gospel and are being transformed and changed by the gospel into the image of Jesus Christ. That, that's really the, the, the question. Are, are we making mature disciples of Jesus who are not only able to, uh, to withstand the culture, to kind of go against the culture, uh, but also are able to make disciples themselves, right? So, so in other words, are we, are we making people, are we helping people to grow in their relationship with Jesus to where they are growing and maturing and then they are pouring into other people and sharing the gospel, and they're making disciples themselves. It's, it's this idea of multiplication, making disciples. And so we're, we're kicking off this, this new series over the next five weeks, um, and I, I, love, I love this. It's basically disciple, be one, make one. Uh, very, very, very simple. Now, if I were to find what a, a disciple is, and we're going to flesh this out a little bit more next week, um, it, it's, it's a Christian who is growing in their love and affection for Jesus and others. So if you think about the great command, the, the greatest commandment, Jesus said is to do what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Right? So I, I would define a disciple as someone who is growing in their love and affection for Jesus and others. Therefore, a disciple maker is a Christian who enters into relationships with people because they're loving other people and they're helping them trust and follow Jesus, okay? Now, our purpose here 
at Chester Christian Church. If you don't know it, it's in your program. It used to be on the wall. It's, it's going to go back on the wall eventually. We just don't know where, okay? Just, just so you know. Uh, but it's in a program. But our purpose here at Chester Christian Church is, is very simple. We are here to make much of Jesus. That's first and foremost. We do that by reaching people with the gospel, by discipling people in the gospel, and equipping people to share the gospel. Now, making much of Jesus, that, that's pretty straightforward. Um, it's all about Jesus. We are here to, uh, to exalt Jesus every single week in our service. When you come to church on Sunday morning, you can expect to hear about Jesus. Okay, It doesn't matter if I'm preaching in the book of Numbers. I'm eventually getting to Jesus. Jesus is the center of everything that we do. He's the center. He's the point. Uh, he is the foundation of everything that we do here at Chester Christian Church. Uh, then reaching people with the gospel. Okay, listen, God is very passionate about pursuing people who are far from him, and he is a missionary God. He sent his son Jesus, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. And as a church, we want to be just as passionate and just as aggressive as God is in reaching our community and the world uh, with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? And so that, that's what we want to be about. Uh, we, we recognize that our sin separates us from God, but that through Jesus we can be reconciled. And so we, we have the ministry of reconcilia- reconciliation. That's 1 Corinthians 5, 18. Uh, then we disciple people in the gospel, and that simply means that we are helping people to grow deeper and deeper into the gospel. It's learning how to apply the benefits of the gospel, that we've been set free, we no longer a slave to sin, and apply all those benefits and what Christ has done for us in our life and how we can live that out uh, in, in our workplace, in our home life, you know, just in everyday life, okay? We still need God's grace. We still need his forgiveness. Uh, so, so the point is, is as you are discipling people in the gospel, the thing to remember is, is you will never graduate from the gospel, right? Don't ever come in here and think, you know what, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm ready to move beyond the gospel, Okay? It's just never going to happen. You're never going to graduate from that. The gospel is not only good news for our past, but it continues to be good news for our present and all the way into eternity. So our purpose here at Chester Christian Church is inspired by this text in Matthew 28. Okay? And so I simply want to focus today on the foundation of discipleship. Okay? And I'm just going to go ahead and let the cow the bag for you, Jesus is our foundation for discipleship, okay? Uh, nothing else. And I'll show you that here in the text in just a moment, okay? So let's read this together. You guys, it's going to be on the screen for you if you don't have the, the Bible with you. Uh, and this is, this is Jesus, and this is what he says. Jesus came and he said to them, his disciples, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, that word is obey, all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, these are the final words that are recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, which means that Jesus has already been arrested, he has been put on trial, he has been crucified on the cross for our sins, buried in the tomb, and he is resurrected from the dead. Everything is leading up to this final conversation that Jesus is going to have with his disciples. Jesus is going to, in essence, give his disciples, that's you and me, and his disciples there that day on that hill, uh, their marching orders. Now, I want you to just think with me for a second the emotions 
that Jesus' disciples are feeling at this moment. Okay, they're on the mountain, and they see Jesus walking towards them. For three and a half years, they have followed Jesus. They have been with Jesus everywhere he's gone, they've gone. They've given up everything to follow him. They've put their hope in Jesus and I don't know if you know this or not, but after the crucifixion of Jesus, many of them had actually deserted. They'd gone back to their old trade, their old work. Many of them went back to being fishermen, right? They, they basically had lost hope in everything that Jesus had told them, right? They, 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 they were devastated, okay? But, but the very first thing that they do when they see Jesus as, they, as he approaches them is they fall down and worship Jesus, not because their eyes not because they just saw him with their eyes, but because all of their fears that they had had, right? All, all of their struggles that they, that they were walking through, all of the things that they wrestled with, the promises that Jesus had made, you know, were alleviated when they physically saw Jesus. And so their first response is to, to worship him, right? Jesus didn't just talk the talk, but Jesus walked the walk. And so Jesus comes up to his disciples and he speaks just an absolutely incredible word of power to them. And I don't want you to miss this, okay? This is huge. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I want you to think about that for a second. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus pretty much just laid down the trump card of all trump cards, right? Because all of us in this room have been affected by what happened in Genesis 3. Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, chapter 3, is where we see sin enters the world, where Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And since that time, we have been separated from our Creator God. And because of sin, listen to me, because of sin in our lives, we know, we know that there are some pretty strong influences in our lives. We know that there are some pretty strong authorities in our lives. We know that there are uh, addictions and things that, that we struggle with uh, every single day, and there, there are pressures in this world. And, and listen to me, Jesus comes in, and he steps into that place, and he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Listen, all authority, which means Jesus has authority over every, every area of life, over all nature. Who else can tell a storm to stop and that storm listens and obeys, right? Who, who else can do that but Jesus? Um, he has authority over every single disease. Listen, when Jesus walked this earth for three and a half, well, he walked this earth for 33 years, but when he was in ministry for three and a half years, he healed people of their diseases, the leprosy, a woman who was bleeding. He has authority over all of these diseases, over devastating deaths. Listen to me, who else can tell a dead man that he's not dead anymore and get up and rise, right? Nobody but Jesus. He has authority over demons. Do you re realize that when Jesus, you read through the Gospels and Jesus is, is rebuking and casting out demons, not one time do you ever see a demon just put up a fight and, and argue with Jesus, right? As a matter of fact, they're begging for mercy. Hey, send us over to these pigs, Jesus. You know what I mean? Right, Jesus actually, Jesus would sometimes just, just close their mouths because they knew who Jesus was. They said, you, you are the Son of God. We know who you are. Jesus has complete authority over demons. 
over angels, over nations, over it all. Now, I want that to just resonate with you this morning for a moment. Because I think if we just quickly rush through this, man, I think, I think we'll miss what, what is going on here. Jesus has complete authority over every single thing for all, for all of your fears. For every anxiety that you face, for all of the stress in this life, for all of the struggles, for all the things that you wrestle with, with in this world because of the sin that has broken this world. Listen, that statement has the power to shatter those fears. Amen? When, when you think about this, Jesus says, I have all authority. And you think about the fears in your life. You think about the anxieties. You think about the struggles. You think about the things we wrestle with, right? And, and, and listen, that's just natural. This is human nature for us to, to worry about those things. But when you think Jesus is in complete control, Jesus has authority over everything. It doesn't matter what I'm going to face in the future. It doesn't matter what's going to happen with this or with that. I know that Jesus is in complete control. Man, he has authority over every single thing. I mean, we could, I could stop the sermon right here and we could be done. I'm not going to. But I mean, that, that, that's awesome, right? That's good news. That Jesus is in complete control. When he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus, well, what this means, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what comes next. It doesn't matter what he says. I'm going to listen and obey. Would you agree? Listen, if Jesus, if Jesus has complete authority, and he comes up to me and says, Aaron, I want you to throw away that box of marshmallow fruity pebbles. My first step is going to be towards a trash can. As painful as it will be, my first step will be towards it. You, you get what I'm saying? Like, like I, I'm going to follow that word. And here's what he says. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. There, there it is. This is our purpose, right? This is why we are here. This is known as the Great Commission. And what I want to point out is, is that in, in, in the Greek text, in the, in the Greek New Testament, there is only one imperative command in this verse. The one command is to make disciples. And that's followed by three participles, which describe how we make those disciples. And those three participles are we go, we baptize, and we teach. So that's going to be our outline for today. We, we go, we baptize, we teach. All right? So what I want you to see is that Jesus is the foundation of discipleship. He is the foundation of our going. He is the goal of our baptizing. And he is the gospel of our teaching. Jesus is the foundation. Therefore, making disciples is radically Jesus-centered. Okay? So we go. When we go, it reflects, again, this descent nature of a disciple, right? God sent Jesus into the world. He is sending us out. The main point isn't to go in your effort, but that we are sent under Jesus' authority and under his power. Jesus is the foundation of our going. The Great Commission begins with Jesus, and the Great Commission ends with Jesus. And according to Jesus, it is the job of every follower of Jesus to make disciples. Now, now, when you hear that, that may create some anxiety in you. I, I don't know. When, when you hear that, it, it, it may, maybe it sounds simple. I, maybe it does sound simple. I mean, I, go and make disciples. That's it. That's, that's all Jesus commanded us to do. Go, go and make disciples. 
I mean, it seems like that would be pretty simple, right? Go tell others about me. And yet, I think it's probably the hardest, probably one of the most difficult things that, that we find ourselves doing as followers of Jesus. Would you not agree? I mean, we, I don't know. I mean, I, may, maybe you're like, hey, I'm knocking it out of the park. And if you are, man, come and sit down and, and, and talk to me and let's figure this out, right? It can be uncomfortable. Like, like it's, it's very easy for me to stand up here. Well, I don't want to say it's easy, but, but it's easier, easier, easier for me to stand up here and, and, and preach this message to you guys. And yet, you know, I, I, I want to, but it's, it's, it's a little bit harder for me to go over to my neighbors and sit down and, and have these conversations. You know what I'm saying? Why is that? I mean, may, maybe it could be that we just don't know how. Maybe we just don't know how to do it. You've never been discipled yourself. We Maybe you grew up in the church. I, I know, I mean, I grew up in a great church. I mean, I love the home church I grew up in, but I, I just, honestly, I don't remember ever learning how to make disciples. I don't, know, I don't know that I was ever shown how to do this, you know? And so maybe it's just a matter of, I just, I don't know how. I don't know how. And so, you know, we're, we're doing this series, and, and, um, and it's really going to take more than just a series. I hope you know that. It's just, this isn't going to be like, hey, a five-week thing, and then we're done. This is going to be, you know, Maybe it's because Jesus isn't our true treasure. You know, Kyle Ottoman has a, a book that's it's kind of old book, but it, it's uh, I think it's called. Um, well, I don't even know what the name of the book is called. To be honest with you, it's fan or fo- anyway. In the book, he points out that you have you have fans of Jesus and you have followers of Jesus. You have people who follow Jesus just because of Jesus and all the miracles he did. Jesus is kind of a, a hip thing, cool thing. You know, I'm a fan. They're fair weather fans. You know what I'm saying. Uh, or, or you have a committed follower of Jesus. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe Jesus isn't our true treasure. I mean, you know, we're willing to reap the benefits of the gospel, that we've been reconciled back to God, but, but, but we haven't necessarily been changed and transformed in the heart. I think sometimes we, we don't make disciples because, you know, as a pastor, you know, I feel like my, my job is to equip you guys to be able to make disciples and oftentimes the church, I'm not saying this is what you think, I'm just saying oftentimes the churches feel like that it's, it's the paid staff, it's their job to go make disciples. And so you've got this, this, uh, this malaise thing going on here and, and nobody ever makes disciples, <laughs> right? You see, you see the, the conundrum there, right? It could be distractions in life. Man, I'm just too busy. I mean, good grief, our schedules are packed full. We have superficial relationships you know i mean let's just be honest a lot of times our relationships are very surfacey our relationships are just hey how you doing how's the weather how's your favorite sports team you know that, that type of deal and, and we're just too busy to invest it's easy to hide it's easy to put up a mask it's easy to walk in here on sunday morning and say hey man everything's great and the reality is you, you're, you're struggling inside. And so it's, it, we had just had, maybe that's the issue. Maybe we had to have superficial relationships. It could be that, that maybe as a church, and I'm not talking about just Chester, I'm talking about as a church in a whole, a North American church, may, maybe it's, it's we've relegated disciple-making to a program. We think, man, if we can just do these programs, if we can do this event, and when I refer to programs, I'm talking about uh, where we bring large people into a group like this and we, we teach them the Bible, right? We have a Sunday school, you know, we have a, a whatever we want to call it, a young adult class, whatever you want to call it. We, we, we relegated it to 
two programs. And when you look at the scriptural context, and we're going to be looking at this over the next five weeks, I mean, growing disciples is through relationships. I mean, Jesus had 12, and out of that 12, he had three that, I mean, literally went with him every single place he went. I'm not saying that that's, I know that's just probably not possible in our day and age, but, but we'll get to that in just a minute, okay? Paul, the Apostle Paul had his Timothys, who were his ministry partners. And I think what's happened in today's church is we've replaced person-centered growth with programs as a means of making disciples, hey, come and let me teach you, let me teach you the Bible. Let's go, you hear people say, I want to go deeper. And so they say, well, let's go to a Bible study. And we think that that's how, that's how disciple making is going to, to happen. But, but I just want to pose this for food for thought. Programs tend to be information and knowledge based. And I want you to, to think about a group of people in the New Testament who were very knowledgeable of Scripture. They knew it frontward and backwards, right? The Pharisees, you've heard me talk about the Pharisees. They, they knew the scripture, but, but man, they didn't have a love for other people, did they? I mean, they, they criticized Jesus for hanging out with sinners. And yet, they, they, I mean, they, they were so full of the word, it was coming out everywhere. They knew it. And so sometimes I think we can be knowledge heavy, right? And we think, man, if we learn the Bible more, then we, we call that maturity. That's mature disciples. And yet we have no depth of love for other people. I think, you know, it can also uh, cause just a, a lack of, uh, we, we can get comfortable in the church. You know, we're comfortable with, with, with what we have. And man, if, if, we, if we go and we do this command, then church might get messy, right? We might, have, we might have people in our auditorium who are drug addicts. We might have people in our auditorium who... Uh, you know, or struggling with this and that, and, and it could get messy. Church could get messy. And so we're, we're comfortable with everything. We're comfortable with just knowing our word, and we're comfortable with all this. But, but again, we lack that compassion. We lack that, that depth of love. We're not necessarily loving others. I think programs tend to be low accountability too, right? You can come to a Bible study, and you can study the scriptures, and yet there's very little accountability in your life. Very little accountability. No, nobody's necessarily asking you tough questions about your marriage and about your finances. And hey, have you forgiven this person? You know, it's just we don't see a lot of that happening. I'm not sure what the reason is. I've listed a bunch of them there, and, and it's just mainly for you to think about um, and ponder on. And if you want to sit down with me and we can talk about more of these, we can. I'd love to do that. But but this is what I want you to understand. Listen, this is huge. Okay, there is no plan B for making disciples. Jesus didn't say, okay, guys, this is, this is the plan, okay? I want you to go out and make disciples, but if this doesn't work, then here's plan B, right? Jesus didn't say that, did he? Like, th this is it. It's, it's, it's this or it's, it's nothing. And, and, and what we need to understand is that every single person is important to the church. Listen, I, you've heard me say this from the front a million times. We are a team. We are a team. Every single one of us have a gifts and abilities and we work together as a team to fulfill the great commission of, of going and baptizing and teaching. You know, the Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter 2.5 that we're all a royal priesthood of believers. Um, 
So, so we do this together as a, a team. Um, the point is, we're a team. We work under the direction of Jesus to accomplish the goal of bringing light into a dark world. And so we go. The second thing Jesus says is we baptize. This is gospel baptizing. He says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, when you think about baptism, we've talked about baptism here at Chester Christian Church. We baptize right over here in our baptistry. Um, if you've never seen that, we, um, we do that. We do it by immersion. We, we dunk people under the water because we feel like baptism is a picture or a symbol of a person's identification with Christ in his death and burial and resurrection, right? You are lowered into the watery grave. You go under the water, and at, if, at your identification with his life, where, you, where we are raised up into resurrection, uh, that's just as Jesus was resurrected from the dead. So Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, paints a beautiful picture of that, uh, where Paul talks about that. Um, in baptism, we are meant to see that Jesus' death and resurrection becomes our death and resurrection, right? So when I go under the water, I die to myself, and when I am raised up out of the water, I am a new creation, right? I am, I am now following Jesus. So Aaron Hoback is dead, and now I'm a follower of Jesus. That's, that's kind of what that, what that symbolizes. Now, let me be clear in saying this, okay? I'm not saying that baptism is what saves us, all right? Jesus and his shed blood on the cross is what saves us. Salvation is found only in Jesus Christ and him alone. But I think baptism is a part of our obedience as a disciple. That's our first step of obedience. When you share the gospel with somebody, right? Romans chapter 10 says, how will they hear unless somebody is sent to preach the gospel to them? And so when you, when you go and you share the gospel with somebody and they accept, their first act of obedience is baptism. Along with repentance and confession. Right? They're, they're, they're repenting of their sins, they're confessing Jesus as Lord, and, and they're being baptized. It's just a step of obedience. So we must go, we must baptize, and then Jesus says we teach them to obey. This is gospel teaching. Right? The same gospel that saves is the same gospel that changes and transforms us. Now this is huge, right? Because once a person is baptized, um, the, the Bible describes this person as a new Christian, a young Christian, a an infant, a babe in Christ. And I will just go ahead and say this. I think the church in general has been very good at making converts. Right? We, we've done a good job, I think, of getting people to the baptistry. But then once they get out of the baptistry, then that's where we kind of leave them high and dry, right? It's kind of like you're on your own to go, go make this, you know, disciple yourself, figure it out. Now, I want you to think about this, and I'm going to use an extreme example here, okay? But, but this is, in essence, this is what happens, okay? So can you imagine me taking my 14-month-old uh, baby, Asher, um, and he's 14 months old, and I'm just like, you know what? He, he should be ready to do this on his own, and I just set him outside on the porch and say, have at it, buddy. Good luck. I mean, that's, that's ludicrous, right? That's, that would be, that'd be cruel. I'd be put in jail for that. And I know that's an extreme example, but, but this is what the Bible says, right? When, when somebody gives their life to Christ, they are an infant. They are a babe. And we don't expect babies and children to be able to feed themselves and to, to do life. You know, they, they can't do it. They've got, they got to learn. They've got to grow. So why do we do the same thing with people who are, are new Christians? Now, that's the whole point. Jesus is saying we've got to teach them to 
to obey. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, Paul says, It's Jesus that we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Now, you may be sitting out there thinking, Aaron, I don't have the gift of teaching. Well, lucky for you, you don't need to get the teaching, okay? Uh, don't think about teaching in the sense of pulling out Wayne Grudem's systematic theology book, which is about this thick, and you sitting down in your living room with your neighbors and kind of walking through the, these deep theological conversations, right? That's not, that's not what, as a matter of fact, please don't do that, okay? That's not what, that's not what we're talking about, right? Okay? How many of you have had or have children right now living in your home? Okay, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but I'm sure you are. You are teaching every single day in your home. You know why? Because those little eyes are watching your every move. How you live, how you respond to adversity, how you treat your spouse, how you handle your finances. Whether or not you know it, you are teaching every single day. And either you're teaching them to observe the Lord's commands or you're teaching them to observe the world's commands and what the world says. So, so don't think of teaching as you standing up like I'm doing right now and presenting a lecture or a sermon or whatever it may be. But thinking, think of teaching as you walking alongside someone and sharing life with them. And the only way you can do that is through relationships. We'll talk about that later on in the sermon series. But sometimes it means being vulnerable and honest about your own weaknesses. Right? I mean, let's, let's be honest, right? None of us have it together. And sometimes, isn't it, sometimes it's refreshing to hear uh, from other people that, that don't have it together, right? Because we, we, we go through life and we think, man, I don't want people to find out that I struggle with this. But then when you hear other people struggle with it, you're like, oh, okay, they, they struggle with it too. Listen, I guarantee you every single person in this room, we're, we're, we're broken, right? We all struggle with something. You know, when our kids mess up, we tell them that we mess up too. Hey, man, mommy and daddy aren't perfect. So I'll just share a quick illustration with you. Um, my wife, Robin, grew up in a family that when you're mad uh, or when you get frustrated, you throw things. <laughs> Anybody else grew up in a family like that? Uh, we have uh, a few dents in our walls. Um, and I don't say that, she, she, she said, please don't say that jokingly, like, because uh, Robin definitely struggles with this, and, and she has been working on this, but, uh, um, and in case you're wondering, she, she gave me permission to share this, okay, so I'm not sharing this without her, her permission, uh, but, but believe me, she's not proud of this, um, but, but I've shared with you guys in the past that the bus stop in our neighborhood has just been awesome opportunity for us to meet our neighbors and, and we've been trying over the last year and a half to plant seeds of the gospel through conversations with them. And so one of our neighbors who we've developed a, a pretty good relationship with, I won't share her name with you, um, but, but Robin has had her over to the house on numerous occasions. And so one morning this young lady shows up at the bus stop and she's got her lower eye right here below her eye swollen and she's got stitches. And everybody's like, man, what happened, what happened? And she's like, well, she's like, I got frustrated I lost my temper, and I threw a plate down on the counter, and it busted and came up and, and, and cut my eye. And, of course, you know, there's other moms at the bus stop, and they're kind of giving her, uh, you know, like, oh, 
can't believe you'd do that, right? And so Robin then proceeds to share with her that she also uh, struggles with um, anger, and uh, she, she just confessed that she struggles with it, that she's thrown things and, and broken things. And then later on, Robin had the opportunity to share more with this neighbor, with this young lady, lady and shared some strategies about how she deals with it. So, so Robin said, so, you know, I, I, she says, I, I get in the Word every day, and I, I, I say the Word, and, and I, I pray through the fruit of the Spirit, and I just ask God to, to help me with my anger. I mean, a, anger ultimately is, is this, this, this uh, you, you, you want to try to control things, and so when things are out of control, you get angry. And so Robin prays through that and, and recognizes that Jesus is in control. And so she's sharing all these things with our neighbor, and our neighbor doesn't know Jesus. And so she's hearing all these things. And that's just an example of what it means to, to walk alongside somebody and to pour into them. Does that make sense? And so it's just those everyday com- conversations. Let, let me add one more thing, just in case we forget, right? On this side of heaven, we will never be perfect in our obedience. Okay, if, if we are striving for perfection, then we're going to become very legalistic, very self-righteous. It's just not going to happen, right? Our lives, our lives should be marked every single day by repentance, confession, and reconciliation, okay? And so you've heard me talk uh, late last year about simplifying ministry here at Chester Christian Church. I don't know if, you, if you've been here for very long. We talked a little bit about that, how we kind of cut back some, some things, some things we were doing really well uh, or some things that we felt were good things to do, but we just felt like that maybe um, we, just, we, could do, we could focus our attention on other things and do, do better. And so, so what we've decided to do is shift from programs to, to purpose, and one of the things that we're going to be really stressing and pushing is, is that every single ministry, whether it be youth ministry, whether it be worship ministry, children's ministry, if we had a seniors ministry, uh, women's ministry, men's ministry, whatever it is, uh, we need to understand that our purpose in those ministries is to, to make disciples. In other words, anything that the church chooses to spend time, energy, and other resources on should clearly be related to making disciples. Which means that, man, we're, we're going. We're, that's what we want to. That's what we want to be about. That's what we want to do. And, you know, we have we have older women in the faith who are pouring into younger women in the faith. We have older men in the faith who are pouring into younger men in the faith. And so, whatever that looks like, and whatever context that looks like, that's what we want to be about because we want to make disciples. We want to obey the command to make disciples. We want to be a disciple. We want to make one. We want to be a disciple. And make one. Right. So over the next five weeks, this is the challenge for you, okay? Think about this. Is there one person in your life that you're honest with about your struggles, that you can talk about the Lord with? I know it's tough. I know it can be challenging. I know we think, man, if if this person ever found out what I was going through or what I was dealing with, man, they would just look at me and and they they would think of me differently. Can I just tell you that 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 is what Satan wants you to believe? Listen to me, if, if, you are, if you are hiding behind something, if you are hiding, you are living with so much guilt and shame, it's not even funny. And that's what Satan wants. Satan wants you to, to live with that. He wants you to think that other people are going to think bad of you. But Jesus said in John chapter 8 that if the Son sets you free, you're what? You're free indeed. And this gospel is freedom. To be able to share and say, you know what, this is what I struggle with. You know, that, that is a weight lifted off of you. That is, that is the gospel setting you free. 
And then, and then let me ask you this question. If you, if you have somebody in your life that you can confess to and that you can say, hey, I'm struggling with this, think about what, is there, what else is there in your life for Satan to accuse you with? You see how freeing that is, right? So you're, you're like, man, I hope they don't find out about this. Somebody already knows, right? So you don't have to go, you don't have to go around wor- worried about somebody finding out because it's already out there, right? Like Satan can't accuse you of anything. Satan can't come to you and say, you don't love God. You still hold on to this. You're still doing this. But if you have somebody that you can confess to and that you can pour into and they can pour into you, then there's freedom in that. You're set free. Does that make sense? I, I don't know. If, if it doesn't, just come see me afterwards. We can talk more about it. The second thing is, is, is there a neighbor, is there a coworker? is there a friend where there's been opportunity to just sprinkle the gospel in your conversations? You know, I say this again just about every single week at the end of our services. I say, man, you know, if you're not serving in a ministry here, we would love for you to serve in ministry here at Chester Christian Church. But, man, I would love for you to more to just be serving in your own neighborhood. Serve hospitality. Show some hospitality. Invite people into your home. Invite a neighbor into your home. Invite them over for a dinner, a birthday party, whatever it is. Just invite them. And then when they don't act the way that they should, don't be surprised, right? Because they don't, they don't, have, they don't, they don't know the gospel. They don't know Jesus. And that's an opportunity. Finally, the last thing, we'll close with this. Finally, the last thing that Jesus says is that he will be with us to the end of the age. Again, Jesus is the foundation. He's the, the beginning, the middle, the end. And Jesus says, I will be with you, right? We, we don't do this on our own strength, our own power. But I want you to think about how awesome it is that God has chosen. He has allowed us to be a part of his plan of redemption and reconciling the world to himself. He said, when you leave here today, man, you think about these things. I know I've said a lot. I apologize. I've, I've kind of, I feel like I've kind of thrown up on everybody. Uh, <laughs> but, but as you leave here today, man, I want you to think, man, listen, God, God has equipped us. He's, he's not going to send you out there and then just leave you hanging. Right? He, he's equipped us. So I want you to think about that, all right? So let's close out in prayer, and then we'll go into time of communion. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for um, this great commission. God, as intimidating as it can be, um, Father, we just need to recognize that, that you are the foundation of this and that you have not left us, you're not going to forsake us, God, but you're going to equip us. And Father, we just need to be open to it, God. You fill us with your Holy Spirit. So I just pray, God, that as we think about these things, that we would take them seriously. God, that we wouldn't just, that we wouldn't just be a fan of you, but Father, that we would, uh, that we would just be a follower, that you would be our treasure. In Jesus' name, amen. So every single week here at Chester Christian, we, we do what's called communion. <clears throat> and the guy's going to pass out a tray of bread. And Jesus said, this bread represents my body. And then you're going to get a cup of juice. And Jesus said, this is a cup of the new covenant. And uh, so what I want you to do during this time is I want you to think about kind of what we talked. And if there are things, you know, in your life, the distractions, you know, we talked about all those distractions. Maybe Jesus isn't your true treasure. Uh, find out what is your true treasure. And then, God, I need to work on that. I need to lay that down. You may, maybe something else. I don't know. But, but I want you to think about that and pray through that. And then if you're here, man, and we talk about baptism, and you've never done that, you've never taken that first step of obedience to be baptized, man, I, I would love to, to, to chat with you at the end of the service, and we can talk more about that and what that means, okay? So I'm going to ask the guys to go ahead and pass the trays out.
and uh, we'll, we'll do communion here.